0: All right, guys, welcome back to the MMA Hinge podcast. Yeah, again, I'm joined by Oscar Silva over there in America. And this is a very, very special episode to talk about today. We're going to be talking about the 2021 UFC MMA Awards, whatever. There could be better thrown in there, but, you know, this is the MMA Awards show. And this is 2021, a big, big episode. We're going to recap 2021, talk about who we think will fight of the year, care of the year, submission of the year. This is probably the most important episode of the year.
1: Absolutely. There's been a lot of people handing out rewards as of late, including the great Era Hawaii. Mm-hmm. But I personally think that few people have done the amount of research that we have when it comes to determining who wins these awards. There are no fights this Saturday. Yeah, it's a bummer. It's been like that the past two weeks. But we're going to tough it out. And we're going to continue to provide content for you guys this week with this award show. And we've had a good amount of time to reflect on this. As I've said, people have already been handing out wards for the past two weeks, and we really thought it out this time. And I think we're ready to start off with the first category. We have 11 categories, and we will be starting out with Knockout of the Year. All right, Lenny, what would you consider to be your nominees for Knockout of the Year?
0: That I think no, out of the year. First off, I'm talking. I think it's got to be Rosenami Namajunas against Willy ziang Uh, the first fight. I think th- the moment that that she was in, you know, uh, trying to you know, retain that belt back, the, the occasion and the way she done it as well. She shocked the world once again. Uh, and I think that in my eyes, I think that's knockout of the year. I think I think the occasion um adds to it. Uh, how she done it as well, and I feel like that that's definitely the one. That I believe is knock out of the year.
1: Yeah, um, the thing with the knockout of the year that I usually like to specify is I, I like my knockouts to be clean, squeaky clean. I like when a guy or a girl gets hit, I like them to be completely out. Really no grounded pound necessary, and there was ground pound necessary. That's why it's not included. But if you want to talk about just amazing finishes, that's one hundred percent on there. It's one of the most shocking moments of the year. Shangwei Lee. Was in one of the craziest wars we've ever seen. The octagon, we were thinking she was maybe one of the most durable fighters of all time, and she gets put out in under a minute and 30 seconds. So, my jaw was completely on the floor. That was an absolutely shocking moment, but uh, I'm gonna have to disagree with you. And I'm actually going with Corey Sanhagen's 30 second flying knee KO against Frank Yeager. Was it heartbreaking to watch? Of course, it was. I love Frankie. Uh, it appears he's not as durable as he once was. But you have to appreciate the precision of that knockout. Corey Sanhagen knew that Frank Yeager is the type to always move forward. And he timed it perfectly. And no ground pound was necessary whatsoever. He just moved out of the way of Frank Yeager's lifeless body. And wow, it was a complete stunner of a knockout. And Dominic Cruz, who's in the division, who does not benefit from saying this, he went ahead and said, that's a title shot. That's a title shot. Dominic Cruz could not be more impressed. Arguably the greatest bandwidth to ever fight in the octagon. And he's out there saying that that should get you a title shot. So, for that reason, I will go with Corey Sanhiggins flying knee KO. Uh, another cool one to mention, of course, is Rey, uh, Dominic Race getting a brutal spinning back elbow from Yuri Prohaska. That was absolutely brutal. But... uh. Yeah, that's definitely up there for me. But I think that Corey and flying knee is just next level.
0: I mean, we've got a lot of a lot of uh, honorable mentions as well. We got we got Barkley versus Impa. Uh,
1: that was actually twenty twenty
0: October. 2020. Oh my God, no, no, uh, Jorge, Jorge Masvidal, no, yeah, Jorge Masvidal versus Kamaru Usman. Uh, we had the the Shane Burgos versus Edson Barboza, uh, yes. and obviously, if you watched, uh Mahmed Khalidov versus Scott Askham. Uh, Over in KSW, that was also a a fantastic uh, knockout. It was like a flying switch kick. It was incredible.
1: Yeah, over in Bellator, how how could we not mention Sergio Pettis is spinning back against against KSW Horiguchi. That was absolutely wild. What what a crazy comeback. But uh, we'll talk about comebacks later. Next up, we'll move on to the 2021 submission of the year. I'll start off by saying what my favorite submission of the year was, what I truly think receives the crown. It's very hard to pick. But at the end of the day, I'm actually gonna go with Andre Muniz's inverted armbar against Jacare Souza. This this was a very difficult category to pick this year, but the fact that Jacare Souza had never been submitted in a mixed martial arts bout, and Andre Muniz goes out there and not only submits him but breaks his arm. It sounded like a carrot was getting cut in the octagon. It was absolutely brutal, and Andre Muniz. Before he, t- in the fighter meetings, he actually said, I'm going to submit this guy. I'm a better grappler. And I remember John Anik and DC were clowning him on commentary. They were saying, that's absolutely ridiculous. And before they knew it, Jacare Souza was on his knees holding his arm just flailing around. That was wild. Jacare Souza is unbelievably tough. And not only that, that was actually Jacare Souza's retirement bout. So he completely finished Chaco Reyes of that night and left no doubt that he's one of the best grapplers in the middleweight division.
0: You mentioned there it was absolutely insanity that that submission, but I, I don't know how you could forget that Anthony Hernandez versus Rato Vieira. Yeah. I, I think that's my submission of the year. I mean, Anthony Smith uh, um, submitting uh, you know a, a crazy black belt in uh, Vieira. Uh, what's it? Was it? Uh, I can't remember. Was it seven time Brazilian? You know, Five times. Bra- Five there we times. go. Five time yeah. Brazilian, a uh, Brazilian j- uh, Jitsu champion, and he submits him. It, it was crazy, and uh, that that moment there, just that would be forever, just in my in my head because I replay it over and over again because it was such a brilliant moment. I, I loved every minute of it, and uh, I just feel like were, I, you just don't see that happening in MMA a lot, and I feel like that has to be submission a year for me, and uh, it was it was bananas.
1: Yeah, he was an 80cc gold medalist. That's about as good as he get when it comes to Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And what's very interesting about this one for me in particular was I actually had a parlay bet of Adolfo Vieira winning by submission. I parlayed it with Bilal Muhammad winning by decision against uh <sighs> was it Diego Lima? And Bilal Muhammad went out there and dominated, got it done. And I was like, oh boy, here we go. Adolfo Vieira gets a takedown. He's getting to him right away. Nope. Uh, Anthony Hernandez had uh, Greco-Roman uh, Division I wrestlers in his camp. He had jiu like fifth-degree jujitsu black belts in his camp. This guy was well-prepared for it, and he was able to escape the submission attempts because uh, Adolfo Vieira was very much a uh, submission over position in that fight. Did not really care for Anthony Hernandez's uh, BJJ defense, and that cost him. He completely gassed. And at the very end of that first round, the, the guy was toast. He was eating big shots and come the second round, he's a big head kick and he shoots in for a takedown. And Anthony Hernandez probably could have gotten any submission he wanted in that moment. Cause the guy was that defenseless with his uh, endurance, just having abandoned him. So he went for an arm and guillotine and Adolfo Vieira tapped out. I, I expected Adolfo Vieira to have too much pride to tap in that moment. Honestly, like, and Anthony Hernandez, am in, If I'm not mistaken, I don't even think he's a black belt. So he went out there and tapped like one of the best black belts there are on this planet, and he did an epic fashion. That was definitely in my second place. But um, but the the optics of the broken arm for uh, for Muniz that definitely took the cake for me. Uh, what yeah. would be your honorable mentions?
0: Oh, uh, uh, well, uh, we have um, Paul Craig versus uh, Jamal Hill as well. I think that, that, that's a, that was, I was a good actually, one.
1: Uh, I saw some people nominating that. That was actually declared a TKO. That's why I didn't include it. Remember, because oh. even though uh, it obviously was a submission in the moment, when the mm-hmm. arm gets broken, it's over. But the referee was so terrible, he actually declared it a TKO. Because remember, uh, Paul Craig was landing punches. He actually wiped off because of that.
0: Oh, okay, okay. We also got AJ McKee versus uh Darren Coldwell. It was this year? Yeah, it was that a neck crank?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I had a McKee submission on here as well. It was actually his submission of Pitbull, that that standing guillotine after landing the head kick. That was absolutely epic. It couldn't have gone bad of her in that night. But uh, if you want to talk about uh other submissions out there, I believe should be in this conversation. I really was impressed with Amanda Nunes. Uh, she got a submission against Megan Anderson. It was a reverse triangle on bar. I actually saw uh hint Gracie's breakdown of this, and it's it's pretty high level to be able to pull that off in the octagon. You know, Megan Anderson's ground game is a subpar at best. Uh, she was able to get a really complex submission on her in a title fight just a couple minutes into the first round so that that definitely deserves an honorable uh, mention for me
0: 100% uh it was it was a fantastic gear could you could you do me a favor oscar
1: yeah you're you're a little uh you're little bu- you're buzzing a little on your side
0: yeah you're buzzing as well
1: i i wonder whose uh, side it is on
0: yeah that 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 two two sex all right Can can you hear it now? I do. You can hear it. Oh, okay. We might we might have. A, I, I don't know what the problem is, but I, I I'm not sure. But shall, shall we move on?
1: I guess so. Yeah. Well, okay. the next category is the comeback of the year. There was a lot of great comebacks out there, and in my opinion, there is no better comeback out there than Marat Dvalishvili's second round. TKO victory over Marlon Morais. This was crazy that Morab survived this. Heading into this fight, Marav Philly was a huge favorite. Everybody was picking him with great confidence and although I did pick Marat Philly I was very tempted to pet Marlon Moraes by first round KO because if you know the story of Marlon Moraes, the guy is an absolute kill in the first round. He'll beat Henry Cejudo in the first round. He'll beat Aldo in the first round. But after that, uh, things he doesn't he doesn't perform as well. So I definitely gave Marlon a chance to finish Rob early, and he nearly did. He knocked down Marab twice, I believe. He hurt him so bad. I was I was very sure that the fight would get stopped, especially since Keith Peterson was the ref. He stopped the the Cruz versus Cejudo fight that controversial finish. So I was definitely thinking that the fight was about to be stopped. But once Marab got to his feet and refused to quit, he got a takedown off of a taped Marlon Rice, a complete gas Marlon Rice. And he proceeded to land about 150 unanswered strikes. This was a complete beatdown. And in the moment, it actually looked like he may have knocked out Marlon Rice with some of the strikes. Marlon Rice went pretty limp for a little bit there. So it, it was so impressive. Marab uh, has the right nickname, he's the machine. And uh, this was my comeback of the year
0: for me. Yeah, that's the exact same for me. I, I feel like there's not a close second. Uh, we have Charles Oliveira versus uh, Michael Chandler, but I feel like the, the way it, it went down, I think Marab it got to take that. And it was a fantastic uh, comeback. I, I, I enjoyed it a lot. And the way he took all them shots, as you mentioned, one shot and he could have been limp. I can still hear you. You can hear me?
1: Yeah, I can. Yes.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What well, we might have to do is you might have to join, uh, leave and join back, see if that works. And all then right. if you still do it, then I'll leave and join back. Right. A little technical problem. It happens all, all, every single week. You know, there's there's never a show that can uh, go smooth. Never. Uh, but, you know, we shall we shall move on. Uh, but as I mentioned, Maradu is taking all them shots against Marlon Marais. It's it's, it's phenomenal. Uh, the, the way he was being able to take them, and still coming on, and then that machine is a perfect uh, nickname, very fitting uh, to be able to, you know, just against Marlon Marais as well. Who was who who's who desperate for a win. He, he would have done anything in that what's going to, to land that perfect shot, and he did land them good shots. But you know, Marad showing that you know he has got that durability. Uh, in him to you know hang with the with, with the top guys at the top. Uh, it'd be interesting to see where Mirab goes from here. It'll be a, a big one for him next. Uh, maybe Mirab versus Cruz. That that would be a good one. Uh, but in a worse position, obviously you got uh you, Marlon Marais It's uh, what's that, three in a row for him now. After losing to Henry and Henny he's just gone on a bit of a downfall. Uh, but you, 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 Marlon Marais is always always a game fighter And if he's a, if, if if an MMA fight was one round only. He, 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 he would be up there with the, with the best, uh, but it's a uh, uh, kudos to uh, Marab to hanging on and doing what he did does best. It was phenomenal, uh, but it was a fantastic uh, comeback. Uh, I'm not too sure what's the, what, what the next next one is. Here we have Oscar Oscar back. Hello.
1: All right, all right. Not hearing any of the static. Uh, it appears we're all good now.
0: That that is uh, good.
1: Did you name your comeback of the year?
0: My comeback of the year was the exact same as you. It would have been uh Marab Divashrini versus uh, Marlon Marais. I feel like there's no other option. Have you moved on to another category? No, I was waiting for you, but not yet. Oh,
1: well, I would just like to shout out Nate Manis versus Tony Gravely. I don't know if you remember that one, but in the first round, uh Nate Manis was saved by the belt. I'll say it straight up now. I knew Nate Manis was going to see that post because he had made a uh, He made it known that he wanted to be in the conversation for comeback of the year. Uh, But, yeah, the guy was straight up saved by the bell. Tony Gravely would have finished that fight had he had five more seconds. But he makes it the second round, and he knocks out Tony Gravely himself. I could not be more impressed by that one. Uh, Also, this one happened a couple weeks ago, it's definitely worth mentioning. Clay Guido versus Leonardo Santos. I was actually angry at the ref in the moment. I was like, why isn't he stopping this fight? and Clay it goes out there and gets a submission over another ADCC uh, champion out there. So, yeah, crazy year for uh, for submissions and comebacks. So, well, uh, we'll move on to the next category now. I believe the next category is... Is
0: breakout fire of the year.
1: Oh, boy. This is, this is definitely a very interesting category. I feel like we saw a lot of new blood injected to the UFC this year. Um, but uh, I have a little different criteria than most people some people like to include uh ufc debutants i do not include debutants i include people that were already in the ufc and they really elevated their status like uh, most of these people that i'm gonna name are people that were not even in the rankings but they were already in the ufc so my breakout fighter of the year in particular is actually going to be sean brady sean brady at the end of 2020 was an undefeated prospect, a guy on the rise, getting really great submissions against the likes of Christian Oliveira, uh, Aguilera. And in 2021, he fights a guy who's unranked as well, Jake Matthews, and he completely dominates the fight and in the third round gets an on-triangle finish. And after that, people were so impressed by him that they were ready to have him face off a guy like Kevin Lee. The Kevin Lee fight doesn't materialize. Then he goes ahead and fights Michael Kiesa. Michael Kiesa, let me remind you, Michael Kiesa was number six in the world. And his previous fight was Jake Matthews, a guy that's not even ranked. So it was a huge step up in competition. And he goes out there and he ragdolls Michael Kiesa. Sure, was he hurt bad on the feet? Of course he was. He was also tired. But he goes out there and truly throws around Michael Kiesa, who is known for throwing people around. And he does it in impressive fashion. And now he finds himself in the top 10 of the welterweight division, which is very hard to move up in. So for that reason, I will pick Sean Brady. The guy had a huge step up. He really broke out into the top 10.
0: Uh, someone else who, well, my breakout fighter of the year, someone else who also broke into the top 10, it'll be the big liverpool from like actually he's from Wigan, uh, Tom Aspinall. I think uh, the heavyweight breaking through into the rankings, uh, and there's still a lot to come from him. I feel like he really put himself on the map this year. Uh, he's got a big 2022 ahead of him. Uh, he's got some big fights, but I feel like 2021, he really, really put himself on the map, just like his you no, know, just like Chris Dawkins as well. If Chris Dawkins beat Derek Lewis, I feel like we could be talking about him right now.
1: Yeah, Dom, um, Tom Aspinall, he started out the year with a win over Andre Arlovski, the former UFC champion a guy who is a true gatekeeper at this point in his career. But the impressive thing these days about him is he's not letting people through the gate quite often. It's actually been – he doesn't lose a ton, actually. He's actually on a winning streak now, and he beat Andre Olowski, and he did it via submission. That's the last time you seen Andre get submitted. So he showed that he had a multifaceted game. He showed off that uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, um, and, yeah, he did it against – uh, Bona fide Hall of Famer, the guy with the most heavyweight wins in UFC history. So that's definitely impressive. Then after that, he goes out there as a huge favorite against Sergey Spivak. And there was a lot of people in the betting community that actually picked Spivak to win. They thought maybe uh, Aspinall will have a little bit of a longer fight this time around. This was not a long fight. He steamrolled Spivak in epic fashion. That was something that Tai T. Iwasa couldn't do himself. So I was very impressed with Tom Aspinall this year. And it appears he has set himself up with a fight against a, a really, um, a grizzled vet in Shamil Durahima that is being targeted for the UFC London card, hopefully on March 19th. 100%.
0: Uh, hopefully, he, hopefully, to see the big man back in action. Uh, and it would be great to see him back in London as well. So that, that, well, back in London in the UFC as well. So, yeah, uh, that would that, be good. Uh, and next one, we've got event of the year. Oh boy, that this year for events in my in my
1: opinion 2021 is definitely in the top 5 for best years in UFC history there there's there's so much to be grateful for when it came to events this year the UFC really especially since fans came back the UFC went out of their way to stack cards even if a card already had two title fights they would sneak in uh, a Diaz brother fighting on the card just to get more just get more excitement going for the card and it really paid off uh I truly believe that the the conversation is very difficult for this one. It truly comes down to personal preference, but my personal preference is UFC 268 Usman versus Covington. Two. This was a super stacked card to begin with. So stacked they had Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler as the first fight on the main card, and boy was it a fight! And I'll just spoil it now. This was my fight of the year, and it also had a nomination for round of the year. It. It doesn't get any crazier than that fight. And then they went after that fight with another banger of a fight with Shane Bergus versus Billy Quarantello. Another amazing fight, one of my favorite fights of the year. And then after that, we have Marlon Vera knocking out Frank Yeager, another sad Frank Yeager knockout, but still really cool moment. Then we have an ultra competitive title fight between Sean Willy and Rosanama Yunus. And then we have another war between Kamar Usman and Colby Covington uh usman cementing his legacy and that was just a crazy way to kick it up. and did i forget to mention the five back to back to back to back to back ko's on the prelims this was such a fun event uh to watch if you were watching live
0: yeah i enjoyed i definitely enjoyed the ufc 261 it was a, a, a no 268 i mean i think i just gave my yes. answer away there oh, for god's sake uh but yeah 268 was a phenomenal event. Uh, as you mentioned, Usman must have at the top of the bill as well. And the comment and taking a different, you know, a different, um, what what, what word am I looking for? A different approach. There we go, approach for this fight. But you know, it, it was still a hard fight for Usman. Uh, but you know, nonetheless, uh, our, our picks both have Usman in it. So, whatever happens, Usman's uh, had a fantastic year, uh, this year, yeah. Uh, but yeah, USC 261 for me, Usman versus Masveral 2. I feel like. Yeah. Th- the stage, uh, what was it? Uh, I think what Jorge must stepping in at short notice. I believe this is this was, that was the event. Uh,
1: it, it was kind of a short notice, yeah. Both guys remember it was kind of all sudden, it was like a month and a half or two months that the guys had to prepare.
0: Mm. Well, th- there we go. And then we have Rose Nami obviously, I talked about her earlier on, knocking out Li Zhang in in round one with that phenomenal head kick. Then Valentina Shevchenko defending her belt, doing what she does. Uh, Uriah Hall. Uh you know, that and Chris Wideman that you know the leg break. Yes, that you know, it's not a very good moment, but it, it kind of made the event I don't know, I don't know.
1: Yeah, crazier. Just it just yeah. added to the craziness of the event. That I truly believed after that that I would not be like as shocked by anything after that, but somehow I continued to be shocked. And uh before that fight, we also had Anthony Smith defeating Jimmy uh, Cruz. Jimmy Cruz. Jimmy Crude was yeah. getting pieced up by the jab. He was getting destroyed by those calf cakes. His leg like went numb. He had a little bit of drop foot there. And yeah, we had two leg injuries to kick off that card. It was it was an actual absolutely crazy card. But one of my favorite moments of that card was actually the first fight, which is actually pretty rare. And it was Na Liang versus Ariana Carlinosi. I don't think most people knew who those two were but it didn't matter. It was just the fact that those people were there in person to witness uh, a live fight, and they could not be more excited when they saw that the fight was going to happen. Both women had huge ovations walking out, and they definitely fired them up, so fired up that Naliang scored a knockdown in the first three seconds, and both women just had a straight-up war, and the crowd was super into it. They're never really into the first fight of the night because it's usually unestablished names, but uh, the fact that the fans were back it it gave me goosebumps. It was such an amazing uh card, full of amazing moments I will remember for years to come. Other cards that were absolutely spectacular. You'll see two sixty-nine. It was just in December, but we're talking about nine finishes here. They gave away eight performance uh eight uh bonuses that night. That's how great that card was. Uh, we had the great Cruz Moses Munoz fight, the the, the Peña upset, the Oliveira, uh win over Porri, a really great card. Also, uh UFC 266, Volkanovski versus Ortega, that had eight finishes. That had the Devage failure versus Marais fight. That had the great uh, Volkanovski Ortega fighting. and the return of Nick Diaz. was just a really good card.
0: 100. I, I, as you were mentioned there, the, the last card, the last um, pay per view of the year as well, uh 269. It was like it just made it more. Like, this is the last one and you know, the last pay-per-view we're going to see it this year. So it made it more feel uh, bigger, should we say. Uh But it was a fantastic yeah. cut. I, I loved it. And uh, the way we went off, it was uh, phenomenal. It kind of, I feel like that pay-per-view is kind of setting up the year of 2022 because they've got to come out big, come out strong. And I feel like they will because we've got a big one coming up. So
1: oh, we'll yeah. get to
0: that once oh, we get yeah. to Great. that.
1: Yeah. Uh, Ghan versus Ngannou, that is that is oof. an absolutely crazy fight. And we had a crazy moment. On a UC two sixty nine card, Uh the upset to end all upsets, if you would call them. We're gonna move on to upset of the year. This is the most only one clear winner there is. Uh, this is just so easy. Julian Pena's second round submission over Amanda Nunes is one of the craziest moments I've ever witnessed, and uh, it's obviously the best upset of the year. Amanda Nunes had eight consecutive victories in UFC title fights before this. It appears she was unstoppable. She would always be a minus 1,000 favorite heading to her fights. It was a foregone conclusion even on this show that she would go out there and she would win. And But her, her ugly past, it really reared up on her. She gassed out. She quit in there. She let the anxiety get to her. And Julian Pena did not fold in the moment. Even though she was eating huge shots, she was rocked herself. She refused to quit and she got that takedown and she submitted Nunez. It, it's a moment that I truly never thought I would see. So to go out there and see it, it's it's like seeing a unicorn prancing on your line. You never thought you would see it. When you see it, you really can't believe it.
0: 100%. And uh, we're looking forward to the rematch uh, this year. It's going to be huge. Uh, and I feel like this is what the division needed, uh, a challenger to give yeah. Nunez that, you know, that competition, uh, and I can't wait for it, honestly, and uh, yeah, my pick was also Nunez versus uh, Peña, I feel like that's, it's just the obvious pick, and I can't yeah. see anyone else coming anywhere near to that, you know, Nunez being, you know, declared as, you know, the greatest woman of all time in MMA, and Peña doing what, sa- said she was going to do, and she's been talking about beating Amanda Nunez since USC 200, Yeah, and she finally does it.
1: Yeah, that's, that's true self-belief right there. She truly manifested that moment. Uh, she always had this thought in her head. Even though it seemed silly in the moment, she just stuck with it, and she went out there and accomplished it as a huge underdog. If you if you bet $100 on her, you would have gotten $750 back. That's, that's just a great investment in Julianne Pena. So that rematch is going to be very, very interesting. That's the most... Probably the most interesting amended Nunez fight we're, we're going to have since, like, the Holly Holm fight. So that's going to be very intriguing. Uh, sure, are are these upsets anywhere close to him? No, but they're worth mentioning. Dustin Poirier knocking out Conor McGregor. That was a true jaw-dropper for me because Conor McGregor's durability never really questioned before this end. He straight up got slept that night. Uh, also, Gerald Mearshart versus Mackleman Muradolf. If you remember that, everybody thought Mackleman would steamroll Gerald and gel stuck it through and got the win also Glover over to uh even though he wasn't he was a pretty sizable underdog but at 42 you're just not supposed to become champion and for him to win very impressive
0: unless your name's randy couture or daniel cormier you're just not meant to be champion
1: yeah you're just not meant to be champion and goes out there and does it and in my opinion i think he can he can have at least one title defense
0: 100% and he's got a tough one Uh I presume it'll be against Europe Pichatska and I presume yeah. it'll also be in Brazil in that pay-per-view
1: Yeah, that, that Brazilian pay-per-view is going to be something special I just saw that Miocic versus Verdun pay-per-view, they had 45,000 screaming fans in there I hope... And, and
0: they're all screaming the same interview. thing, but
1: it gives you goosebumps Yeah, absolutely wild That was... uh and it all sold out in one day, so we know Brazil's a a really great market for them, and uh, hopefully, they can have an environment at least similar to that
0: 100%. Uh, it was fantastic, and uh, well, that kind of leads us on to our next topic you know, the feel good moment of the year.
1: Oh boy, uh, there was a lot of people becoming first time champions this year. A lot of people that, as we just said, with go over to share it. Oh, Lenny has left us. No, I'm still here. here. Oh, you're still here. There was a lot of people that we really didn't believe had a chance to become champion, say, three years ago. Charles Oliveira, Juliana Pena, Glover Teixeira. Even at some point, some people were really doubting Rose Nama Yunus, but it's so hard to pick this one, honestly. As I said, just like with the event of the year, it's about personal preference, but at the end of the day, I'm actually going to be ending up going with Glover Teixeira. This was such a tough one to pick, as I said. Brandon Moreno is is definitely my second place, but Clover Teixeira at forty two years of age, telling people out there that they can do whatever they believe they can do, and going out there and actually proving that it's true, it's, it's just so inspiring. And man, it's it truly was a feel good moment for me. He went out there with his idol, um, Big Nog, and just hugged him, and it was just it was just a really special moment for me. Uh, defeating Jan Blachowicz via second-round submission. And he pretty much dominated that fight, too. So really didn't take much damage out there and got it done. But Brandon Moreno winning that battle against Davis, I definitely worth mentioning. The, the guy himself cried as well. So many great moments out there. Uh, also, Francis Ngannou becoming the first-time champion after a year in, uh, after so much inactivity and so many challenges in his life, it's, it was full of great title wins and honestly i feel like the title wins are always the feel good the best feel good moments of the year
0: yeah yeah as uh, you mentioned there phenomenal top, uh, phenomenal um nominations uh, but yeah the brandon marina one i feel like that one's going to really stick in my head yeah. for you know years to come uh, you know being if I, um, if I, being you know a, a mexican champion bringing mexico a champion once again after all them years of, you know, not having champion, what The last champion would have been Cain Velasquez, I believe, if, if I'm correct. Yeah,
1: if, yeah, pro- yeah, probably Cain Velasquez. Uh, that, at least that was the most most uh, major one.
0: And the story as well for Brandon Marino. He got cut from the UFC and made his way back into the UFC and worked his way back up the ladder and got to the top. And his post-fight speech, you mentioned Glover's, but you know Brandon Moreno, I feel like he really touched everyone in that post-fight speech. It is incredible. He, he, he's trying not to cry, but he's he's telling everyone to never give up on your dreams and it, it, it's incredible. it's just this is why we love the you know the sport of MMA. it's, it's incredible. Yeah
1: yeah I, I don't think you get moments like this because the, the the athletes are not taking the kind of physical punishment that they're taking in the sport so it means that much more when they actually get it done
0: hundred percent. And uh, you, you, as you mentioned, the nominations, Globe to zero, you know, it, it, him finally getting the belt, uh, you know, Francis Ngannou avenging his loss against Stephen Miocic and getting the belt. You know, we had so many good feel-good moments this year. It was incredible.
1: Yeah, Charles Oliveira, I, I think in particular, I'm kind of the guy that displayed his uh, his happiness. The, most, the guy was dancing around with the belt. The, the, the guy was shedding tears at George's. Hugging everybody you could find. It, it was a really cool moment as well. Um, but uh, I guess we'll move on to the next uh, the next category.
0: Yeah, 100%. Uh, take it away. Which is round of the
1: year. Round of the year. This, this is this is definitely another one that is hotly contested. I'm going back and mm-hmm. forth on this a lot. But uh, at the end of the day, I'm actually going to go with Alexander Volkanovsky, versus Brian Ortega, round three. This round was as crazy as it gets, um, and usually when it comes to round of years, it's it's a situation where a guy is uh, knocked down or uh, or just beat up really bad. And short sure, barn take could definitely take a lot of damage, but the kind of the story of this round was Alexander Volkanovski being put in very tight submissions, not once but twice. By Brian Ortega, who is one of the best grapplers in all of the UFC, Gracie trained for over a decade, and he gets a mounted guillotine on him, and we see Alexander Volkanovski's head turning red and purple, and I was one hundred percent sure it was over. I was, I was like, all right, it's, it's sealed, it's a wrap, and somehow he pops his head out. That is uh, unbelievable sum, uh, submission defense by Volkanovski, and then he goes ahead, and he starts raining down ground and pound, and the entire time, I was like, what are you doing? You're going to get caught in another submission, and he gets caught in a triangle, and then DC was like, it's over. It's over. I thought it was over again, and then he pops out of it, and then he starts raining vicious ground and pound, and Brian Ortega can barely get up at the end of the round. That was an absolute uh, madness of a round. I, I can't even... It's one of the best rounds I've ever seen. Um, and yeah, just one of many this year.
0: It was wild as well. Uh, I got to admit, but I feel like the Gaethje versus Chandler, that fight is it's just phenomenal. Uh, 15 minutes of just reckless abandonment. It was crazy. Which round are you nominating
1: from that fight? Round one. Yes, I agree. That was a, yeah. a, a, an absolute bananas round. You could tell both guys. Uh, didn't really come in there with the intentions of uh, winning. They came in with the intentions of entertaining and just hoping to get that knockout.
0: Yeah, 100%. And uh, yeah, I feel like when these two are fighting, it's just like, if I get knocked out, as you mentioned, if I get knocked out, I get knocked out.
1: Yeah. Mike. And here's the thing that really stood out to me from that round in particular was Charles Oliveira had knocked out Michael Chandler just a couple months before that so I was definitely doubting Michael Chandler's durability. Uh, he has been knocked out on multiple occasions. And Justin Gaethje, uh, as Habib has now titled him, he's the hardest hitter in the lightweight division. And for Michael Chandler to eat those bombs, it was just really impressive. And uh, But I actually scored that round as most people did. I actually scored that first round for Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler actually had the bigger moments. And not only did he stun Gaethje with his punches, he actually really uh, tore up Justin Gaethje's leg with a couple leg kicks. Uh, Justin Gage actually told him after the fight, you just you tore my leg with that leg kick, man. He was actually really impressed by uh, his leg kicks. In that, that was absolute madness. It was the highest output that those men had in that fight. So yeah, that definitely, it's a very close second place.
0: Well, that's it. If Michael Chandler had an, enough in the tank for that round two, we, we couldn't talk, be talking about Michael Chandler winning that fight.
1: Yeah, that's a true possibility. Uh, I would love to see a rematch someday.
0: Marco Chana needs to
1: get a win, though. Yeah, sure. T- maybe Tony Ferguson could be lined up for him. But uh, let me also shout out the uh, Dovaj Dovashvili versus Marlon <laughs> round one. That this keeps get- this keeps on getting mentioned because it's true. It truly deserves to get mentioned this many times on the award show. Mm. One, of, one, just one of the craziest sequences we've seen uh, the entire year. And I'll also shout out the first round of Charles Oliver versus Dustin Poirier. That was a wild round. Those guys had – they just – they had an insane output. And at the end of the day, Dustin himself was tired. Dustin has taken a fifth round off of Max Holloway. So for Dustin Poirier, who has an amazing gas tank to be tired at the end round, you know those guys really went for it.
0: 100%. And I'm going to go back to here, Chandler versus um... – Gaethje I feel like that's the fight of the year in, in my eyes uh round of the year fight of the year 15 minutes of just as I mentioned reckless abandonment uh they went out there to knock each other out for 15 minutes and uh it didn't happen it was close to happening in that round that round the round number two and Gaethje landed that huge uppercut down the middle and just Channel still managed to get to his feet is incredible but yeah I think that's my fight of the year Chandler versus Gaethje them two men put on an absolute war for us and it was a fantastic entertainment
1: yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Uh, I already spoiled uh, the winner of the award for that. There's no doubt that th- those two guys just, they left it all in the octagon that night. A little piece of them was left in that octagon in Madison Square Garden when they walked out. Uh, Michael Chandler was unrecognizable after the fight. The the punishment those two guys took and just, if you want to talk about the definition of battle-tested, those two guys are battle-tested. Uh yeah, I'll never forget that fight, and my jaw was on the floor for a good, a good ten minutes in that fight. It was absolutely stunning. Um, and some other fights worth mentioning are, as I just said, uh, the best round of the year was Ortega versus Vol- Volkanovski round three, and that fight, the entire fight was good. Uh, were the first two rounds pretty, you know, decisive for Volkanovski? Yes, they were, but uh, Ortega just took big shots. And uh, it ended up catching up to him. But he still fought through it. And I actually scored the fifth round for uh, Brian Ortega. Brian Ortega actually got a couple good shots going. So, yeah, just they truly showed off their warrior spirit in that moment. Uh, When both guys easily could have quit, they did not. And uh, that's why it's a nominee for me.
0: And uh, an additional... Award, shall we say, for walkout of the year. Brian Ortega, when he entered with that purge, uh, the, the theme tune walking out—that that really gave me goosebumps leading up to the fight. It was incredible.
1: Without without a doubt, uh, it's very it's very few occasions where we see uh, the fighters get a little creative with the walkout. So to see uh, the guys walking out with the masks with special purge music, it was it definitely stood out.
0: Definitely stood out. 100% so we'll move on to our next category which is the you know the all-important one so would you like to go for female fighter of the year or male fighter of the, year for the last two
1: we'll save uh female fighter after male fighter
0: okay so i'll, I'll go first so you know the nominees uh what well, we've got Valentina shevchenko juliana peña rose Nami Yunus. uh i can't think of anyone off the top of my head um but that's the ones I've got here. So my my pick was Valentina Shevchenko, you know, defending the belt, uh re- reclaiming, you know, reclaiming the belt, um just being dominant, just being Shevchenko. And uh if Nunes did beat Pena, we'd I'd, I'd be talking about Nunes once again uh for a second for second year in a row, but I feel like Shevchenko uh I just I don't see anyone beating her at the moment, but we said that with Nunes and Pena, but I I seriously seriously don't see anyone beating Shevchenko. And uh, I feel like that's, I'm going to see that for a very long time. I, I see Shevchenko retiring as the champion. And what she conquered this year is uh, she, she's always going one up from herself. 2020 2020 was a good year for Shevchenko, but 2021 was an even better year. And I feel like she's got a big 2022. And uh, she, 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 she's continuing to go up in the world. Uh, but I know who Oscar's going to pick.
1: Yeah, it's very hard to go wrong by picking Valentin Shevchenko in uh pretty much any situation she's so impressive with what she does and if you really want to talk about uh if your criteria was based off like perfection near perfection that was not she dominates jessica Andrade, where jessica Andrade is strong that she muscles her to the ground gets grandpa going and the second round she tkos her and finishes her which is very hard to do and then after that she goes out there against lauren murphy and Lauren Murphy, I believe, landed like 13 total strikes. She made Lauren Murphy look silly out there. Lauren Murphy uh, was clueless out there. And then she finished Lauren Murphy in the fourth round. So, uh, Shevchenko almost had an effortless year. So going with her is completely understandable. But if you want to talk about names on the resume, I'll go with Juliana Pena. In the first, uh, in her first fight of the year, she fought Sarah McMahon in January, um, over Abu Dhabi. on that first Dustin versus Connor, uh, rematch fight, and she was not winning the fight, I'll be honest. It was it was a very competitive fight. I actually picked Sarah McMahon to win, but eventually she got that red naked choke on Sarah McMahon, and Sarah McMahon uh, tapped, and that earned her the title shot. Uh, not only that, but the post-fight interview, she called out Nunes. She truly believed she could beat her, and we all made fun of her. We, I'll be honest, we all made fun of her, and then she goes out there and ends the year she goes from the first month of the year to the last month of the year. Fights the greatest of all time. We really give her no chance, and she beats her. And that's why I will declare her the female part of the year. Because there's not a single name in these nominees that is better than Amanda Nunes. The resume is, is so impressive. Having Amanda Nunes on your resume is something that nobody has been able to say since 2015 or 2014. So yeah, for Pena to have the name on there is it's definitely uh, impressive, and that's why I'm gonna give it to her.
0: Mm-hmm. And that win with Julia Pena beating uh, Amanda Nunes—that's a fight that's that's gonna go down in history. It's gonna be played uh, in, in UFC pay per views ten years to come, twenty years to come. Uh, Joe Rogan—I well, don't know if Joe Rogan will still be there—but the commentators at, at that time are gonna go back and think about when Julia Pena beat Amanda Nunes.
1: Yeah, another worth another name worth mentioning who did get three victories and um, with two of them being in main event slots was Marina Rodriguez. Marina Rodriguez has gotten on a really good run after losing to Carlos Barza in 2020. Uh, she went out there and started the year by finishing Amanda hebas Amanda Hebas was a pretty big favorite. Uh, a lot of people thought she was ready for a title shot, but she steamrolls uh, Amanda Hebas and then she gets a main event against Michelle Watterson and she pretty much dominates Michelle Waterson. And then she fights Mackenzie Dern, and she made Mackenzie Dern look silly on a field. Let's be honest. She really exposed that there were definite holes in that Mackenzie hole. Uh, Mackenzie Dern. uh, (laughs) uh, And uh, on the ground, she was able to survive. Don't forget, Mackenzie Dern had serious top uh, position for a long time, and she survived. So for that to to transpire for... uh, (laughs) <laughs> marie had dreams that long it's really impressive and she's definitely had one of the best years
0: good composure oscar i like it uh yeah. swiftly moving on I, that, that was good uh but uh swiftly move on to male fighter of the year uh but, but pretty much you know we, we had some grid fighters this year and you know kamaru uzman was was up there. Islam makashev cyril Garn uh had a fantastic year but for me i think it's going to be kamaru uzman uh the, the year he had i feel like it I talk about Oleksandr when his Her twenty twenty one was good. Uh, twenty twenty was good, and her twenty twenty one was better. But you know, Kamaru Usman is going up and up and up. And uh, you know that his twenty twenty one was fantastic. Um, knocking out Holloway Masvidal and uh, the fashion he did, um, and just it, it was that knockout will be replayed it, it, so many times. It, it was a violent knockout. Knocking out, you know, H- H- knocking out a guy like Holloway Masvidal, who's known to like you know putting people out cold and doing it the way he did is uh, is phenomenal. And then obviously. Re, re, uh, rematching uh colby covenant uh his his, his tough fight, toughest fight to date and then going for another you know war 50, 25 minute war it just proves that them two are uh, just inseparable i don't I, I can't think of that word Insep- can you think of the word inseparable uh, well, not... inseparable yeah inseparable
1: i would say that yeah
0: there, there we go it, it it proves that they're inseparable they're like Look into a mirror, I would say. that That's the closest we get to uh, them fighting each other. Uh, but, you know, Colby Covenant, unfortunately, has to be in the same division as Kamaru Usman and uh, fighting at the same time as him. Uh, so I, I'm going to choose Kamaru Usman. I feel like he's the fire the, uh, the male fired And I would
1: have to agree with you uh, for these awards. I always reward activity. If somebody got a really good win, it was just one win. I'm not really going to consider them if they didn't have uh, multiple fights because uh, it's very hard to to have consistency in the MMA game. It's just very hard. Some people, that's why Habib made is so celebrated because the guy was consistently winning out there. Uh, so, yeah, that's why I'm going with Kamara Usman. Started out the year in February, he had a fight against his former teammate, Gilbert Burns. And there was a lot of sources from ATT and from... Uh, the Florida game uh, from the guys over in Florida that trained with both guys, saw both guys sparring. They were all picking Gilbert. They were saying that Gilbert was beating up Kamaru Usman in the, uh, in the sparring rounds. And I kind of bought into that a little bit, but I still pick Kamaru Usman because, I, I, you know, Kamaru Usman is far more established. And Kamaru Usman gets tagged in that first round. I thought that Gilbert Burns was going to win that fight after he rocked him, but we saw Kamosman uh make a real comeback out there and uh just piece him up with the jab and get the finish there against Gilbert Bird. So that was a true challenge for him. And then he goes out there against Jorge Masvidal and Jorge Masvidal, his durability has never been questioned. It's really never been questioned. He's been like TKO'd like a decade ago, but this it really doesn't matter. Never got put out in this fashion. It was absolutely brutal. The guy was out cold. He was stiff as a board, just like Askren was. And um that was so impressive, one of the best knockouts of the year. And then he fights Colby Covington, who some people still thought Colby could win the fight if uh, if you know, if it was the right night. And, yeah, he really proved himself that night because he got two knockdowns in that second run. I thought he was going to finish uh, Colby Covington right, right then and there, but he did not. But uh, still did it really impressively. And as I said, three victories in title fights this year. That's very hard to do. Uh, not many have done it, and he surely did it. Uh, somebody else who had a serious success in multiple title fights was Charles Oliveira. He knocked out Michael Chandler. We said how hard that is to do uh, after a really tough first round, too. And then he goes out there as another dog and submits Dustin Poirier in the second round. That was so impressive. And that one right there legitimized his uh, the belt around his waist
0: yeah I, I have to agree with you uh you know with, with your nominees uh but you know you know the fantastic year for the ufc once again it's phenomenal uh we would have done like promotion of the year but it's just i think it's just obvious at this point
1: yeah yeah like it's it's a nonsense to even consider pfl Tour, especially since uh I, I guess you could consider them in other years but in this year in particular uh not a ton, you know Bellator kind of has their little season, they like to take a lot of breaks, and uh, PFL, you know, they have their season format, so they're not even on for the whole year, uh, so the UFC has been a reliable source for fights on most Saturdays, and it's truly a blast, and when you talk about doing big fights, big events, it, it's every week it's not even comparable, honestly.
0: Yeah, exactly. They do good fights, uh, big fights every week. And as you mentioned, they're just not even comparable. Uh, the fighters that have they have on the rosters, on their roster, I mean, just no one matches t- to what they've got. It's, just, it's ridiculous. Uh, you know, they always try and stop a monopoly in uh, the business world. You can't have a monopoly because if there's a monopoly, then it's bad for the environment. But I feel like the UFC is the MMA monopoly.
1: Yeah, and I kind of feel that uh, that Dana Wachul has... The best. He has the best uh, intentions when it comes to the future of the sport. The guy has truly invested uh, money into the the sport, improving. You know, with the UFC PI, a lot of people uh, really don't know the kind of resources the PI offers to its athletes. Offers serious resources, like they they don't have to do that, but they still do, and uh, that's why I believe that uh, if. If there is going to be a monopoly, this is a this is a fairly good situation because it's not just an evil, corrupt businessman doing it out here. It's, it's Dana White. It's Dana White who um, who actually cares, um, despite what some people think.
0: Yeah, exactly, and uh, I want to give a huge shout out as well to you know the fans watching this. So uh, we had a fantastic year uh, this year for for, for the channel. Uh, we, we had some videos that you know broke out, made us uh, the channel that we are today. Uh, One point seven four uh, thousand subscribers uh, strong. Uh, we've branched out on the podcast. Br- Oscar came on board, I think maybe this year. You got to unmute yourself
1: there's some bright things in the future for sure. Hopefully, uh, uh, there's some things in the works. Uh, I, I won't disclose that at this moment. Cause I don't want to, you know, jinx myself.
0: Yeah, exactly. But yeah, you came on board. It was this year, wasn't it?
1: Was it this year? I believe it was. When was, it was our,
0: when, when was our first show?
1: No, it, it was wow. last year. We recapped, uh, or we previewed. No, we recapped usc 254, uh, Habib versus Gaichi. I remember that. Yeah, that was the first show we did. It was in, it was in uh, early November, late October.
0: Here we go. I'm I'm scrolling down, trying to find. Um, the first one I can see is there. We go. Uh, no, I see podcast. I see um, Gaichi, Habib.
1: Yeah, yeah, I remember that was the first show I was on for. Uh, We had a little goat debate there.
0: Oh, there we go, there we go. That was was our first podcast together.
1: Yeah, it was, and it's been a really good run. We've had uh, people listening to us um, from all over the world, Uh, countries like Tanzania, Sweden, Japan, the United Arab Emirates, It's really really cool what we're doing out here. And the last episode we did was actually the the most listeners we've had for any episode.
0: uh, You're talking about Spotify? No,
1: just overall, just overall listeners.
0: Wow, there we go.
1: Yep. Uh, So uh, also one thing I would like to mention that Spotify started adding star ratings for podcasts. So I would appreciate if you guys gave us a uh, five-star rating on Spotify. Not just on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts as well. I hear it helps with the al- algorithm, helps us get more exposure out there. So I would truly appreciate if any of you guys did that.
0: Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I I agree. Uh, but as I was mentioned, uh, thank you all for for a fantastic year. Twenty twenty one was a big year for for us at me unhinged, and uh, it was uh, it was great. twenty twenty two is going to be a big year as well. Uh, definitely some things that we're working on, you know, branching out, uh, becoming more regular, and uh, j- just. Having an even better year than twenty twenty one. That's what that's what we're looking to do here, and uh, it's a fantastic year. And obviously, thank you, Oscar, for coming in for this journey with me as well. It's been it's not been an absolute pleasure, and I can't wait to see what happens next.
1: Well, we already know what happens next on Saturday, January fifteenth. Kiga Chikazi will come cater. It's going to be a, an awesome fight. I cannot wait for it. I've been I've been itching to watch live fights for for a very long time, and that's gonna that's gonna scratch our itch for sure.
0: A hundred percent. How long has it been? Do you know the exact day? How long has been?
1: Uh, since we've had live fights, that was December eighteenth. So it's wow. now January, January fifth, I believe it is now. January sixth, yes, yeah, January sixth. So we're we're sitting at. Yeah, I'm, I'm not great at mental math. Like nine that, days, but, uh, been over twenty days. Been over twenty days.
0: Oh. Sure. Yeah, yeah, d- d- yeah, 100%. Well, it's, well, if it was the 18th and we're now the 15th, so it would be like what tw- 28 days?
1: Yeah, a long lines to that
0: off been the top way, of my head. Yeah,
1: been way too long. Uh, and yeah, it'll, it'll be so much fun to see live fights in next week. We'll preview you guys Uh, that, that entire fight card. Uh, I'll just uh start by saying I am picking Cal and Kate on that spot. A lot of people are counting them out after that tough loss, but. I'm not one of those people.
0: Well, make sure you tune in for the rest of the rest of the picks as well. For me and Oscar, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh thank you very much for 2021 and make sure you tune in for that predictions uh podcast that's happening next week. Thank you very much for listening and uh we'll see you later. All right, guys, welcome back to another video on M.A. on Hinge. Today I'm with Oscar, my co-host on the podcast, but this is not a podcast, this is a different video. On today's video we'll be predicting 2022, it's still weird to say that, 2022 UFC champions at the end of the year. So Oscar, thank you for joining me, this is going to be a fantastic uh, video, I'm excited to talk about what we're going to predict.
1: Yeah, the champions are so difficult to predict. The amount of unlikely champions that we had at the end of 2021, it's mind-blowing. The names like Moreno, Pena, Teixeira, Oliveira, it's it's so crazy uh, what the kind of shocking moments the sport can give to you. Uh, But uh, we're going to try to be smart guys here, and we're going to start by predicting who will end 2022 as the heavyweight champion of the world. Right now, the current champion is Francis Ngannou. And I do not believe Francis Ngannou will be the champion to end the year. I should believe that we will have John Bones Jones as the heavyweight champion at the end of the year. John Jones, sure, has he been having close fights in his last couple at light heavyweight? Sure, but those guys are actually quicker than these heavyweights. So John Jones is not only going to have guys that are a little bit slower. He's also fighting a lot of uh, strikers. And John Jones is a fantastic grappler, uh, and he's working with Henry Cejudo, who really encourages people to grapple, especially if they're great at it, like John Jones is. So I, I believe John Jones will use his wrestling mainly, and I think John Jones can beat any heavyweight in the world right now. So I think he and gets a title shot. Uh, I would say in July most likely, and I think he becomes champion.
0: Yeah, if we do see John Jones come back, I, I would I, I would love it. But I feel like I, we might not see him in 2021. I, I'm not sure. Sh- 2022, I mean, oh my God, I'm still stuck in 2021. Uh, I, I still see, I feel question marks with John Jones. Uh, I, I'm not too sure whether we'll ever see him back in the Octagon. Uh, but I know some I know some fighter is going to stay in the Octagon. And I, I know he's going to win the belt at the end of January. And that's serial. gone. I feel like he's going to win the belt and he's going to stay. As champion, and uh, I, I believe he'll win the belt. And Ingunu is not with the UFC no more, so he, he'll he's going to venture off uh, because it's in. If ingani doesn't win against Cyril Ghan that's his last fight in the UFC. And it, but if he does win, he gets an extra fight.
1: Yeah, I think Francis Ingunu has so many interesting options, and I truly believe that Francis Ingunu. If I'm Francis Ingunu, I sign with a PFL after this. Because, let, let's be honest, the PFL heavyweights, I don't even know if they would be ranked, some of them, in the current heavyweight division. I think Francis and Ghana would literally get a million bucks without even uh, fighting for three minutes, quite honestly, in the PFL. So if I'm Francis, not only am I going to the PFL, I'm also uh, boxing the Wilders and the Furies of the World. Even though I'm, I'm probably going to lose those fights, he's going to get ridiculous paydays. I would say... At a minimum, we see him get paid like five, seven million dollars for those fights.
0: Yeah, he, if he does go into that boxing world, he's going to have to fight at least a few people to get to get them big fights. So it'll be interesting to see how, how he gets on. But, you know, the PFL do like to see that, let their fighters, you know, fight as well. We see it with Clay Collard. Um, he fights over in top rank uh, and then PFL. And uh, Clay Collard's, n- you know, not really had a good year of boxing this year, but he had a great year at PFL. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see where, if Francis he does lose, it'll be interesting to see where he does go from here. He's got a lot of options, as you mentioned. Uh, but I'm sure, I'm sure the UFC will be keen to try and keep him. But, you know, he, he wants money that probably the UFC and Dana White just can't offer.
1: Yeah, that's pretty unfortunate, the situation with Francis. Uh, he's definitely one of the most remarkable guys they have when it comes to uh, just the, the one-punch KO power. Being very easy to sell. Love. But we'll move on to other people that hit very hard. The light heavyweights. And the current champion is Glover Teixeira. The unlikely champion. A lot of people don't think he'll end the year champion. And uh, I agree with those people. Do I think he beats for Perhaska? Yes I do. But after that. He's going to have a killer waiting for him. And I think that killer will be Magomed Ankalive. Magomed Ankalive has one loss on his record. It was to Paul Craig. With one second left in the fight. Uh, very unfortunate situation for him there. But uh, I truly believe that Magomedic alive uh, has all the tools to become champion. It doesn't matter who he fights with about. It's not a situation where this is about matchups. Uh, Paul Craig uh, would definitely lose the rematch. And anybody else in that top 15, I think they lose to Echo alive. The guy's a killer on the ground and killer on the feet. I think he'll be your champion in 2022.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think Magomed Ankalaev will be the champion at the end of the year, uh, but I'm having it in different uh, different circun, uh, circumstance. Uh, I feel like Glover will lose his belt to Jiro Prochaska, and then we'll see Jiro Prochaska versus Magomed Ankalaev have a showdown. And I feel like that's the two the best light heavyweights that we have in the world. And uh, I, I see Magomed Ankalaev just steamrolling everyone. In, in, in that division uh and you mentioned there if if paul craig does get ever get that rematch but uh, there is reports coming out that he might be retiring early as december of this year so that's unfortunate so he might not get that rematch he might be looking for uh but you know magomed anchor we, we know how good he is and uh i feel like it's going to be a magomed Ankulaev versus Yuri Prochaska showdown
1: yeah i would love to see it at some point as well we'll move on to the middleweight division where Israel asanya is currently the champion. Uh, do you believe he'll end 2022 as the champion?
0: I do. I do. I, I see Israel Asanya winning again against Robert Witteska. uh I don't know whether Oscar will agree with that or not, but I, I see Adesanya getting the double over Witzka. I just I see it being a similar a different type of fight in this one. I, I, I see Robert Witt got being more patient in this one, picking his shots, wherever in the first one, he just went there and just thought he could outclass him, uh, outstrike him, but you're not doing that to Israel Adesanya. Uh, the way to beat Azra Adesanya and J- uh, Jan Bojovic, put the blueprint out there. You've got to mix in the wrestling. You've got to take him down. Uh, wh- when it's the fourth and the fifth round, you've got to take him into deep water. Uh, when he can't defend that takedowns because he's too tired to defend the takedowns. That's what Robert Whittaker has to do in this fight, but I just don't see it happening. Uh, we, we know how good Robert Whittaker is wrestling. Uh, he, he is from Australia. He's, he's a fantastic wrestler in his own right, uh, but I see Adesanya clipping him early and the, being the same, same story. But I, I, I said it would be a different fight, but I feel like it's going to be the same outcome.
1: Yeah, and I'm going to have to agree with you. Israel Adesanya has maybe the best striking we've ever seen in the octagon and even if whitaker mixes up the wrestling um i don't know if whitaker would pursue the submissions enough to where i, th- I think uh because i think whitaker probably has to submit on and victori got on back in this last fight so it's mm-hmm. definitely the wrong possibility but uh i don't feel like the control time would be enough because i think on the feet uh whitaker would uh m- maybe tr- because if you're in the Darren Till fight, you're still getting tagged by Darren Till. And I think Adesanya's definitely ahead of Darren Till. So, I, I definitely um, I definitely am a believer of After that, Adesanya probably defends against the winner of Brunson and uh, Kandir. I think he beats either guy in devastating fashion as well. Adesanya uh, will be still the king of the middleweight division after uh, 2022 ends.
0: Yeah, and I don't feel like we've got many years left of uh, Adesanya. I feel like we've got 2022. I feel like we're going to see him throughout the whole of the year, but I feel like 2023 is probably going to be his last year in MMA because he's going to be beating all the uh, contenders. Uh, I see him rematching Costa and then him beating Costa again in 2023. I mean, Costa needs to have a run now. So uh, maybe at the end of 2022, Costa can get back up to the belt. But I, I feel like when you're at the stage of some someone like Israel Adesanya, uh, where you haven't got enough contenders to, to fight. I feel like, uh, where do I go from here? So, the uh, same as Kamaru Usman. Yeah, yeah. How long has he got left in MMA? Um,
1: I, I don't exactly agree with you. I, I feel like Adesanya has a decent amount of longevity in the game. Um, but I, I don't think he's going to be champion for, like, several more years. I think uh, a guy like Hamza Chumayev definitely uh, is a scary <laughs> matchup for Adesanya. uh if I if he could toss around Jack or Magic like that, imagine how he, he can toss around uh, Adesanya. I think that's a very interesting matchup for the future. But uh, that conversation would be for twenty twenty three, and we'll move on to twenty twenty two for the welterweights. Right now, Kamaru Usman, the number one pound for pound champion, uh, is the king of the middleweight, uh, the welterweights, and uh, I'll just say right now, I think Kamaru Usman is probably going to be a top. Five fighter of all time when he retires. And uh this year will will definitely contribute to that argument because I don't think he's losing the belt this year. I think he's gonna beat Leon Edwards. I think uh after that we're probably gonna see a Hamzat Bones Ch- again. Yeah, probably Hamzat And in my in my humble opinion, I think he beats Hamza. We have no idea how Hamzat striking really is and we also know that Kamozman's never been taken down. Kamozman is a phenomenal wrestler with a phenomenal gas tank. And we've never seen what that Chamar gas tank looks like. So I'll pick the guy we know much more about uh, in Kamar Usman uh, to become champion to end the year.
0: Yeah, you said that he's never been taken down. I want to say that Kobe Covenant did take him down, but it wasn't yeah, marked
1: as an official didn't takedown. Count, didn't count, unfortunately.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I, I do believe that was a takedown. It, it should have been marked.
1: Yeah, it, the similar takedown was scored for Armand Sarukid against Islam Mahasha, But, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was definitely a takedown, in my opinion. But uh, the statisticians will have their way in the end.
0: Yeah, I, I pretty much agree. Uh, I see Kamaru Usman uh, being the champion at the end of 2022. Uh, he's pound for pound for a reason. And I feel like his year this year is going to be phenomenal. Uh, I see him beating Neil Edwards. I know that's hard. That's really, really hard for me to say that. But I, I see him beating Neil Edwards. He's going to have too much uh to, to for, he's gonna be too much for leon edwards Uh I, i'm gonna be honest and uh i feel like he's gonna rematch burns in the summer of 2022 and then at the end of the year it will be the big showdown with uh hamza chemaev uh and then i'll see kamaru's been beating hamza Chamaev as well
1: yeah that would, it would be really impressive if is kamaru wins another three title fights that would be super impressive and would definitely contribute to his uh the cold conversation for him, uh, but we'll move on to the lightweights, the 150 fibers. Right now, the this
0: is the ho- this is probably the hardest one.
1: Yeah, right now the champion is Charles Oliveira. Charles Oliveira, in my opinion, is truly the undisputed champion. It was disputed heading into the Poirier fight. In fact, he was an underdog, but he goes out there, submits Poirier. and Charles Oliveira has some serious challenges ahead of him. There's a lot of young blood being injected to this division. We're talking about. Guys like uh, Islam Mahashev, uh, newer guys like Rafael Fazeev, Mataush Gamra. Um, so many guys out there. And I truly believe that Islam Mahashev, who has only lost once in his professional career, I think he's going to beat Charles Oliveira. And I think he's going to do it in fairly dominant fashion, too. Uh, he has a fight set up with Benil Derrush at this moment. I believe he wins that fight. I believe he actually finishes Benil. And once you get a finish, it's a little easier to call for a title shot. And uh, I think Charles beats Justin Gaethje, even though he's going to probably have to go through hell to win it. I think he wins that. And then we see Islam versus Charles, and I believe. Also, let's keep this in mind. Charles Oliver has been submitted before. He got submitted by Ricardo Lamas and Anthony Pettis. And it was actually back-to-back. So I truly believe that uh that Islam Mahashev can tire him out and eventually break up uh, in a final submission. So that's going to be my pick. I think Islam Makhachev gets uh, a late submission on Charles and is the year's champion.
0: Yeah, I feel like Lightweight is one of the toughest uh, divisions that we have inside the UFC. And we've got Lightweight and we've got Bantamweight, uh, but I feel like this one's a, a, bit of an, a bit of an easy one to pick. We've got Islam Makhachev, you know, the the, the second coming of uh, habib shall we say uh, and i feel like he's going to he's going he's going to be the champion at the end 2022 as you mentioned there he's, uh, charles Oliveira is going is, is going to come out uh, and beat probably justin Gaethje. Uh but you know then they're going to have the showdown is the makachev versus justin Gaethje. Uh and then i feel like is the makachev can probably submit justin Gaethje. I feel, we've seen it before with obviously uh, habib versus Gaethje. and i feel like it's just going to be a mirror i feel like we're going to see the, the same same outcome I feel that Isla Makashev will be able to beat Gaethje. I, I, I see Gaethje beating Oliveira, and then I see uh, Gaethje losing the belt to Makashev.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it's going to be. I, I think we'll we'll see. Uh, we could we could definitely see Gaethje win that belt, but uh, at at the end of the day, Oliveira Gaethje. I think we're going to see Islam snap up that title and uh, look really impressive doing it. We'll move on to the featherweights. Alexander Volkanovsky is the current champion. Uh, He had a great fight with Brian Ortega. And he's got a really challenging fight with Max Holloway. Next up, it's on tap for March. And Max Holloway arguably won that second fight. The first fight, I think, was clear-cut for Alex. But the the third fight, I think, will truly settle it. I don't think we'll see a fourth fight or anything like that. But uh, after that, I believe the next guy waiting for him is going to be, um, I'll probably to say we see Gary Rodriguez or maybe the Korean Zombies, somebody along those lines. Probably uh, fight Alex Volkanovsky. Alex Volkanovsky actually said he wants to be uh, more active, and I hope he is more active. But quite honestly, you look at every name in this division, and I think the toughest matchup for him is Mozart Ivaloev. But I don't think Mozart's going to get that title shot just, just yet, so. I, I think Volkanovski raised Supreme 10 of the year.
0: Uh, I, I'm going to go with Max Holloway. I'm going on the blessed uh, era. I'm going with the train, uh, blessed, blessed train. I, I see Holloway winning that third fight, and then we'll probably see a four fight because it's 2-1, and Volkanovski is going to probably want that one back, and uh, uh, we'll see. I, I feel like we might – have we ever seen a five fight inside the UFC? I've I've never seen it completed. The most fights I've actually ever
1: seen was Rampage Jackson versus Baron La Silva, and the fourth yeah. fight they did in Bellator, but that's pretty much it.
0: So I, I believe we'll see maybe a five fight. Uh, I can't think of the word here.
1: A five fight series, but uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, we're talking about twenty twenty two or uh, um, only in, yeah, we're on uh Max Holloway, here, and. Yeah, I think whoever wins that March 12th, March 5th fight, they're going to be champion to end the year, most, most realistically.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Max Holloway. I think Max Holloway a- and beats Volkanovski and then re- reigns supreme for the year.
1: All right, and we'll move on to the bandwidths. The current champion is Aljamain Sterling, heavily disputed champion. We have an interim champion in this division, and it is Piotr These two will sell it a- March 5th, same card as Volkanovski Holloway's Trilogy. And um, let's be honest, we're all thinking Piotr Jan smashes Aljamain Sterling in that rematch and uh, gets his belt back. And after that, he's going to have some very interesting challenges ahead of him. I think we'll be seeing Jose Aldo maybe get in the mix. And uh, Jose Aldo is a straight-up killer. Same thing with Muram Philly But, yeah, I'm thinking... I'm thinking whoever it is, Piotr Jan can handle them. And I think he can finish most of these guys too. So I'm thinking we see Piotr Jan in the year's champion.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Jan beat Sterling. Well, the, the second, well, in the first fight, I mean, uh, the first fight before the knee, Jan was on his way to victory. Uh, he, he was going to win that fight. Uh, Sterling was slowing, well, well, he had slowed down. Uh, and if, if Jan didn't throw that knee, Jan would be champion right now. And uh, Sterling did what he had to do to keep the belt to get another fight. And uh, now they rematch and Jan's going to gonna slaughter him. Uh, he's going to be the prey uh, in this one. He's get, and Jan's going to hunt him down and uh, prove why he's the best in the world. We saw it in that Corey had San Hagen fight, uh, which was a phenomenal fight. And uh, uh, his boxing is second to none. His grappling is phenomenal. I just can't see a way that Sterling beats him. Uh, his wrestling defense he showed against Sterling in that first fight is phenomenal, and uh, I just don't see Yan. I don't see Sterling being able to beat Yan, so Yan beats Sterling, in my opinion, and then Yan will face TJ Dillashaw. And uh, I see Yan beating TJ Dillashaw.
1: Oh, yeah, I completely forgot to mention TJ Dillashaw. I think that's a really fun fight, but uh, let's be honest, uh, I, I don't think TJ Dillashaw. It's quite as good as he once was, but I can't say I think Pierre-Yan is gonna wreck havoc on this division, and uh, I think he'll be king of the division for for a little while there. But we'll move on to the flyweights. Brandon Moreno is the current champion. He has a trilogy set up right now with Davison Figueroa for January twenty second this year. Uh, I think he probably wins that fight. I think that weight cut on Davison is definitely changing his performances. And uh, Brandon Moreno is going to be ahead in that fight and uh, retain after that. We're definitely going to see the winner of Ascar Ascar versus Kai Carr France challenge Brandon Moreno. And in my opinion, even though the Ascar fight was a draw I thought Moreno won that fight and he already beat Kai Carr France. So it's going to be another rematch for Brandon. Brandon is going to win it and I think against the year's champion
0: the king of rematches uh, is what we're going to be calling that by the end of the year of 2022. Uh, as you mentioned there, he's going to beat figueredo I agree with that. I think figueredo is, uh, as you mentioned, trading himself to get down to £125. And uh, I feel like this will be the last fight we see Figgy 125 pounds, and then he'll make that uh, that long-awaited uh, move up to £145, where he will definitely make uh, mix up a little bit up there, but I don't think he'll get to the title uh, straight away in 2022, you know. Uh, but Figueroa is uh, going to move up after this one. That weight cut to 1225 pounds uh, just will be a little bit too much for him. Uh, but uh, Moreno is uh, going to be ending year uh, this year as a uh, champion. Uh, as you mentioned there, Askrazgov that was a draw, but you know, yeah, arguably Moreno won that fight. Uh, but I see that Moreno has evolved so much it, o- over the years, and uh, now he's champion. Uh, I, at the moment, I really don't see anyone beating him at 125 pound division.
1: Yeah, Murano has such a good skill set at this point. He has a very proven cardio tank. He has really uh clean boxing, and he's just tough as nails, man. He can take a beating and then give it right back, and uh he can definitely find finishes at the highest level. That's that's really impressive. Uh, which female division should we uh discuss first?
0: I mean, we don't really need to talk about featherweight.
1: Well, yeah, featherweight right now the champion is Amanda Nunes. But uh, a conversation that could be had is: Say Manda loses to Pena, might she retire after that? And then this division doesn't even exist because who knows? Because uh, but yeah, honestly, do we even have to talk about the who even is left in this division? Daniel Wolf is that <laughs> it? Is that it? And uh, who else? Goodness gracious,
0: uh, Leah Letson.
1: I guess. I guess, man. Uh, there's really nothing going on in the division. Let's be honest.
0: Um, I'll make a bold prediction now. I, I see the UFC cutting the featherweight division and opening a long-awaited um, and division. I, I hope. I hope
1: we see an infusion of atom because uh, that'll be much more entertaining, in my opinion. We, there's some serious speed at that atom weight division, and there's some uh, there's some really. There's some really lighter uh, strawberries out there. I probably would appreciate not being how muscle that uh, strawberry. So, yeah, that's a real possibility. Uh, we'll move right down to women's bantamweight, which is much more interesting than featherweight. Juliana Pena is the current champion. She recently beat the current featherweight champion, Amanda Nunes. And um, I have a belief in Amanda. I, I think she can change her composure. I think she can make more preparations for if things go south and i think she's gonna fight at a pace that she can sustain for 25 minutes and beat juliana Opinion that rematch
0: i agree uh, i see amanda Nunes uh, changing her game plan drastically um I, I think not only that i think her coaches will put her in check and uh, not allow her to do this again. Uh, she's got amazing coaches over there at 880, ATT. Uh, and I'm, I just know for a fact that her mentality, uh, I know that she wants this one back uh, because Gina Peña put that pressure on her in the first fight. And I feel like now now she's lost the belt. I feel like we, we've seen it before in MMA. You know, in Rose Namajunas lost the belt to Jessica Njar, she sent She felt a sense of relief because she lost the belt, she's not a champion. Uh, but then she said she didn't want to be champion and now she's champion again. And, uh, you know, we had all that, you know, the crying scene. I feel like that's what it's going to be with the same with Amanda Nunes. I feel like the the pressure off her shoulders a little bit is is gone because she has lost now. And I feel like that second fight, I feel like she'll go in there with no pressure on her shoulders and put on a clinical performance against Juno Peno.
1: I agree. I think it was a Sarah versus GSP type situation where they underestimated their opponent in the first time, but the second time around, they come back and they they really show that they're the true champion. Uh, do I see another title fight in the Bayway division occurring after that? Maybe. Uh, I think a, I read Aldana. I think Aldana probably gets the title shot. Uh, and uh, if Nunes is champion of time, Nunes wins that fight most likely. And if, if we were to see Peña versus Aldana, I would probably pick Pena to win that one, but uh, I don't think we'll see Pena be champion or not and see that matchup. But uh, yeah, I think uh, Nunez ends the year as double champ once again, and we'll move down to women's flyweight where Valentina Shevchenko is the queen of the division. And we we both said it on many shows. We think Valentina retires as a champion. I don't think we're going to see. Uh, a mid Silva situation. I just believe that the style that Valentina brings and the well-roundedness is, is just overwhelming for opponents. She can destroy you on the ground. She can destroy you on the feet. Even, she even fought Amanda, and Amanda really had a tough time. So uh, I'm going to have to pick Valentina Scherfshanko in the end of the year. I don't care who she fights. She could fight two women in one night, probably wins Valentina go all the way. She's going to... Uh, I would say her next opponent, probably Tyler Santos. After that, we see uh, Viviana Russo or a maybe Andrea Lee, something, somebody like that. Maybe maybe even Casey O'Neill, some of the young guns. But it it doesn't matter. I think Valentina Shevchenko not only fight uh, beats them, but she finishes them.
0: Yeah, you mentioned it that it just doesn't matter for Valentina Shevchenko, whoever she faces. We we know that she's going to outmatch him, and uh, th- th- it's literally the same story. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko is the queen of the flyweights, and she's the queen of the women as well at the moment, as we speak. Uh, I just don't see anyone beating her in that top fifteen. Uh, she she currently, uh, she, as you mentioned, she'll t- um, she'll fight probably Santos next. And uh, that would be a tough one for her. And uh that that, that would be that would be a big one. Uh, but you know, if you're looking in that division as well, if you look at the top, the top, the top look if you look at the top five, uh, she's beat most of them. It's crazy because I feel like we're gonna have the same situation as uh Kamaru Usman, you know, maybe at the end of this year where he has no fresh fresh matches in that division.
1: Yeah. Uh we we might have to see uh somebody. Like a Tatiana Suarez who is coming into this division, yeah, coming their challenger because Tatiana definitely could give Valentina somewhat of a challenge. But uh,
0: maybe Rose Nunes wants to step not. up,
1: yeah, yeah, who, who knows? Who knows? There's or maybe Valentina moves up to bantamweight and wins the title. I think that's a legitimate possibility. I actually think she beats Pena or Nunes if they fight at bantamweight. That's just my take.
0: Mm-hmm. Could you imagine if Rose wants to step up?
1: Yeah, the problem is, uh, Valentina is actually your favorite fighter. Uh, they're they're both buddies. Uh, Valentina actually says she she can make strawweight, but uh, she doesn't want to make the commitments. Can you imagine Valentina's uh triple weight champion? I think she could do it, but uh, that's that's just a wild conversation. We'll move on <laughs> to women's strawweight, where the current champion is Thug Rose Nama Yunus. Uh, she has a title fight on tap against Carla Esparza. Uh and obviously they're much different fighters than they were uh, at the end of the tough season, and I believe Rosanama Yuna stuffs those takedowns, pieces up Carla on the feet, and uh, and re- remains champion. After that, I think it's uh, fairly obvious that the winner of Marina Rodriguez versus Yan Shonan gets the title shot, and I think the winner of that probably is Marina, and... Marina versus Rose, I think Rose can probably submit Marina. Most likely I think I think she could submit Marina if she want to. I think she she can outbox her as well. So I think uh Rose has such a good skill set. And uh she's she's been through those battles that she needed to for me to have more confidence in her uh long term. And that's why I'm picking her to roommate champion.
0: Well, as you know, uh, Rose Namajunas is my favorite fighter, so I'm going to predict Rose to end the year as champion. Uh, as you mentioned, I, I see Rose Namajunas beating Carlos Barza and then taking on uh, Marina Rodriguez. And as you mentioned, s- submitting Marina Rodriguez—that's uh, th- th- definitely the possibility. Uh, but you know, Rose is fantastic everywhere she goes, and uh, i her mixing it up is uh, what, what she's really good at. And I see her mixing up against Re- Marina Rodriguez and. Uh, y- and uh, I just see her ending the years uh, 2020, 2020 years uh, as champion uh, but I feel like we're going to end this year I feel like we we'll see the return of uh, Jonathan Jacek and uh, I feel like she'll mix up a little bit
1: forgot forgot to talk about her cannot leave uh, the strawweight bogey of it out of the conversation she arguably she arguably beat Joanna Lee and the rematch with Rose was really close it was the mm-hmm. that fifth round that decided it in my opinion so Who knows? We could see the old rivals uh, get back in there for a third time.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. It was, uh, we have a fantastic year ahead of us Uh, and it's all getting started uh, next week with uh, Giga Chicago versus uh, Calvin Cato. It's going to be a fantastic fight and what a way to start the year.
1: Yeah. I'll just add this to the end of the podcast episode. So uh, if any of you are confused with, uh, If it sounds like we started another episode, we did not. We're just going to add this to the end of the episode.
0: Yeah. uh, Well, this this pretty much recaps uh, this video. Uh, Our predictions of UFC, uh, the UFC champions at the end of 2022. Uh, Is there anything else you want to recap? Maybe, you know, anything else that happens outside of the UFC? Bellator, PFL, one championship maybe? Uh,
1: I will make the prediction that uh, Gegard Busasi remains middleweight champion. Uh, Scott Coker T's maybe Yoel just gets a title shot just for the sake of it. He's got Vanderford mm-hmm. coming up. I think uh, for Bellator, I...
0: I think we might confident. see AJ McKee inside the UFC very soon.
1: Hey, that's that's a possibility. But I believe that uh, two champions are very confident is that we see Amasov and we see Musasi remain champions. That's what he should do. I'm very confident in those two's uh, skill sets.
0: Yeah, as you mentioned, there. Amazon um, reportedly taking on uh, MVP in London. Uh, hopefully, I can make it to that show. That would be fantastic uh, to see a title fight in London. It would be it will be huge. It will be a major show.
1: Yeah, there's so much uh, going on. Hopefully, we see uh, the COVID cases go way down, and we see more fan attendance for these uh, weekly MMA events.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, well, as I predicted, I, I I see probably AJ McKee, uh, maybe not in twenty twenty two, but uh, maybe twenty three, m- making his way over to the USC. He's expressed his interest, uh, to actually moving moving over to the USC. Uh, and I feel like it will be. I think it, if that ever does get happen, we we see it with Chandler coming over from Bellator. Uh, Ben Askren was uh, was in Bellator. Uh, I feel like all these Bellator guys need to come. over. Well, they probably want to come over to the USC because they want to test themselves. Against the best of the best, and I feel like uh, AJ McKee is, is wanting to do that, and I feel like we're gonna see that very soon. And if it does ever happen, I feel like that's a that's a big signing for the UFC.
1: Yeah, I, I would love to see it. Uh, yeah, AJ McKee has such a well rounded skill set. He's so uh, tall and long for the division, and I think he can give competitive fights to to definitely uh, almost anyone in the top ten. So, we'll love to see it. Uh, really bright. 2022, we have ahead of us, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully our picks aren't correct. Uh, am I right? Hopefully, our picks aren't incorrect because that's what makes this sport so exciting.
0: 100. Uh, I agree. Uh it, it, but Next year's episode, we will we'll have to. I'll have to clip this and then we'll rewatch it, and then we'll see who's the champion uh next year. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what we talked about, who we picked, and then who's actually champion. Uh, of the time we're speaking, so yeah, it'll be fantastic. Uh, and well, this is pretty much the end of the podcast. Thank you, Oscar, for joining. Uh, any last words? Yeah,
1: uh, just uh, yeah, just be ready for the year that's ahead of us in MMA because it's gonna be a wild one. These picks are gonna be way off, way off. I'm, I'm telling you already.
0: 100% uh, starts next week with uh, Keita the first pay-per-view of the year and Garnier is gone they're kicking off with a banger I can't absolutely wait thank you for listening and we'll see